More records for Brady as the Bucs take out the Bills in OT. The latest on Lamar Jackson's injury and what that means for the Ravens. The Chiefs look like they're back to being the team to beat in the AFC. Rodgers continues to carry the Packers. And the drama continues with Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. Our Week 14 recap is next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good to have you with us here on the GM Shuffle. i got to be honest with you, Mike. I'm watching all the 1 o'clock games. There's like seven games I'm watching. I go, all these games are terrible. Like, we're going to get to the good games, but there was a stretch there from about 1.30 Eastern to 3.30 Eastern. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Seven games and all of them were terrible. I mean, even the, you know, the the, the blowout, I think there were eight blowouts. The books got killed yesterday, AD. Oh, they couldn't post the lines high enough. I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the Jets game, I mean, that was a delightful to watch, right? I mean, how would you enjoy that? You know, and then, uh, you know, and then in that early window, I mean, there was really, the Raider game was over in the first quarter. I mean, that, that, was, that, was, a, that was a Tyson knockout Fink's knockout quickly right so that that ended it, it was it was a bad one o'clock window there wasn't really any game that you thought oh my god this is compelling let me stay I mean the Washington game got interesting only because Dallas allowed it to be interesting right. but but for the most part uh they really I mean the Falcons Panthers game was probably the only game going back and forth in that window everything else and there was never a jeopardy. The Seattle game to Houston, it was close yeah. in the first half, and Seattle took it over to cover that spread. But you're right. I mean, it was it was uh, it was not exact. It was bad teams playing good teams or decent teams, and the bad showed up. Yeah, I watched a little bit of that Seattle game, and then I said to myself, "Why the hell am I watching this? Like the Seahawks aren't going anywhere, the Houston's not going anywhere. I don't have any money on this game. Like I'm just watching because it's a close game." Speaking of bad teams and getting worse, Urban Meyer's saga continues to unfold. Now there's reports that he and Marvin Jones got into a screaming match. He called his assistant coaches losers. Loser. 
Meyer denying everything is now threatening whoever is leaking the information with their job. Meyer, quote, if there is a source, that source is unemployed within seconds. We all know it's a disaster, Mike. It's a tire fire. It's a Titanic. It's a, you know, name your favorite atrocity. But the fact that these are the stories coming out, calling your assistant coaches losers, screaming match with wide receivers, this isn't surprising. He's not going to last after this season, right? And It's not surprising to me. I mean, I think it was one of the bad hires of all time, especially when he accumulated the staff and who he put together there. He had no idea really what he was doing or who he was, you know, it, it, it was exactly what you don't want to be. It's a leader who has no management of attention. He has no plan. His plan is to recruit five stars. But I'm going to double down on his, uh, I'm going to double down on his sources because I was told this morning reliably from someone in the building that as bad as you think the Palacero reports are, it's worse inside this building. It's worse. Now, I'm told he doesn't mess with the defense very much. Like he leaves them alone. But he does go after the offensive coaches, and it's an embarrassment. And you, as, as Shah Khan, you've got to ask yourself, is this really where we want to go? If you're lost, do you keep going? It's a financial issue, right? How much money are they going to have to eat if they fire Urban? It, does it matter? Does it matter? Yes, right. I mean, your franchise is worth $2 billion. If you, know, if you don't fire them, it's, it's, you're going to destroy your franchise. Right. I mean, you don't have any choice. I mean, if you really care about winning, if you care about your players— I mean, this is a team that's always had trouble about whether they care about their players or not. And now if you continue to bring this guy back, you have no choice. I don't care what he says today. You have no choice. Urban should really bow out. He's not qualified to do this job because in college, in college, he can recruit five stars. He can out-recruit people. He's at Ohio State. He's at a brand. He didn't make the brand. Ohio State's going to win long after he's gone. He was at Florida. He didn't make the brand at Florida. They're going to win long after he's gone. Right? Like he's never made a brand. He's never installed a culture that really says, okay, here's where I am. You know, this is who I stand for. And he's never run an offense. He's never really been a part of it. All the things you see, his behavior. How about the handshake with Vrabel? Did you see that after the game? I didn't know. How bad was it? Like a limp fish? It, it, it was really bad. <laughs> like he wouldn't even look him in the eye. Like he's mad at these sources and like it's not their fault. You can't treat people. The NFL is very challenging to get everybody on the same page. You've got a lot of people. It's one of the reasons why New England hires from within, because they've trained them to think like that. When they bring somebody from the outside in, they have to retrain. Remember this, retraining is way harder than training. And most people don't understand that. So, you know, we need this guy. We need, we need this. We need that. Urban doesn't understand anything about training. He wouldn't know anything about retraining. He can't walk into a team meeting and say, okay, to the offensive coordinator in an intellectual conversation and say, look, Brian, Daryl, here's what I want to do. Here's what I think we need to do to make Trevor Lawrence better. Here's what I want to do in protections, George Warhop. Here's what I want to do in terms of route running. Why do you think Marvin Jones is so frustrated? He's seen pro coaches. I've seen this before. When the players know the head coach doesn't know, it's complete chaos. And this is the perfect example of it. And, and I don't think Khan has any options. I, I don't know how he can sit there and say, this is going to happen. We've seen this before. Steve Spurrier, Bud Wilkinson. Go through the college coaches who tried to come in. Lou Holtz. Nick Saban, unfortunately, didn't work out Miami. Nick Saban. He couldn't get, he couldn't get everybody on the same culture. It's hard. Here's the biggest litmus test for me when Urban Meyer gets hired. You look at his teams, and generally he's had some great offenses. So you say, all right, how good is he going to be with the quarterback? If Trevor Lawrence, who's a can't-miss prospect, becomes an absolute star, then Urban Meyer is going to be a successful head coach. 
as you look at Trevor Lawrence now, if I'm giving a grade, Mike, I'm probably going to C minus. He's thrown more turnovers than I would have thought. I don't think he's taken the necessary steps. So for me, the biggest reason if I'm shot Khan to fire Urban Meyer is like, listen, you're here to make this quarterback the next Joe Montana, and he doesn't look like he's on his way, period. How would you evaluate Lawrence and what Urban's done with him? I think if you're shot Khan, you ask this question. One simple question. If Bill Belichick or Josh McDaniel were coaching this quarterback, if Andy Reid were coaching this quarterback, what would he look like? And the answer would be a hell of a lot better. A hell of a lot better. And then if that's your answer, which is what my answer would be, then I got to get rid of this guy. Because here's what's going to happen. He can't coach the quarterback. See, Khan hired him because he thought he's an offensive guru. He's not. He's an offensive five-star recruiter. That's what he is. He can go get five stars. I mean, remember the story I told about Joe Burrow and, and how he, you know, didn't want Joe Burrow. He wanted Haskins because Haskins was a five-star and Burrow was a three-star. He can deny that all he wants. That's fact. I mean, that's complete fact. That's why the kid transferred. So the reality here is he can't even evaluate. So if you're con and you ask that simple question, okay, if Andy Reid was coaching this player, what would he be like? If Kyle Shanahan was coaching this player, what would he be like? Don't, don't even, you don't have to go with McDaniels or, or Belichick. He's, you know, go with other coaches. What would he look like? And you would say he would look a hell of a lot different. And once you answer it that way, you have no choice. I mean, you've paid a zillion dollars to Trevor Lawrence. You paid more money to Trevor Lawrence than you paid to Urban Meyer. I mean, this is, there, there's no decision here. If there is, if he takes no decision, he basically destroys his team. Let me ask you this question. They're going to have cap room this offseason. Who's going to want to go play for him? Yeah, that's a good point. You're trying to lure free agents. In college, he's this great recruiter because of the brand, and he's got a winning tradition. Here he has no tradition. Apparently, he's a giant pain in the ass. Hey, he's an asshole. I mean, let's put it, I mean, he's a, he's a selfish, spoiled, thinks he's a winner because he landed, because he got a program that was great. I mean, he didn't make that pro. I mean, this is the problem when ego gets involved in leadership, right? Ego, I made this place great. No, you didn't. The place made you great. The place was great before you got there. It made John Cooper great. It made Earl Bruce great. It made Woody Hayes great. This place has been great before you got there. Florida was great. Steve Spurrier was great when he was there. That doesn't mean you can coach in pro football. It's definitely frustrating right now for Jacksonville Jaguars fans. The same old, same old. They thought Urban Meyer would be... uh... A different tale instead. It's just urban legend. Let's get to the games now because the four o'clock window was actually pretty good. Bills, Bucks. It was great. It was great. In a game in which, listen, the Buccaneers had it in hand. I go, well, let me just stick with it. And then boom, here come the Bills. I'm like, all right. And it's exactly what you said on the GM Shuffle. You said, Josh Allen's going to have to win this game. It's got to be 38-31 a shootout. Pretty darn close. It was 33-27. The Buccaneers went in overtime, but Allen did come on strong. Led the Bills in a late 14-play, 70-yard drive. Fourth player in league history to throw for over 300 yards and rush for 100 yards in the same game. Left the game with a walking boot, called a foot injury, no big deal. But for the Buccaneers, they do it again. Tom Brady beats his former AFC East rival 10th straight time. NFL's all-time completions leader, he passes Drew Brees. And this one's staggering. 700 touchdown pass, the winning score in overtime. Uh, part of the story is the Bucs almost blew the lead, Mike. But bottom line is they pulled it out. Brady, amazing. Amazing, right? And their defense made one stop in overtime, which got them. But this game shouldn't have been as close as the score. This game should have never got to overtime. And let's go back through it, right? So Buffalo gets the ball with 129. Again, the middle eight here. Buffalo gets the ball with 129 to go after Tampa made a 24 to three. They get the ball, they go two plays, and they throw an interception. Now Tampa gets the ball back at the Buffalo 45. You got to score here. 
This is like the most important part of the game. This is when you can take the game and separate it and, and, and give Buffalo credit. I don't know if you give him credit because Brady made two bad throws on this drive. He throws the ball incomplete. And then Buffalo comes back down. They can't do anything with the football. They punt it over. Okay, so now we go into halftime, 24-3. No problem, right? Everything's good. Buffalo is in a panic position. They come out to start the second half, and they run that stupid fake field, fake punt, and they get tackled. Now we got the ball, Buffalo 47. Again, we're in Buffalo territory to get the ball. We go three and out. At that moment, that, then it became a game. At that moment, it became a game. And then Brady did not play well in the second half. I mean, he missed a lot of throws. They couldn't get control of the game. And at that point, you could feel the control of the game going towards Buffalo. And look, give Josh Allen credit. I don't know how he's going to stay healthy. Remember, Derrick Henry walked off the field too. He played the entire game with a broken foot, right? I don't know what this is. I knew he got hurt on the play, but I kept saying during the game, he's going to get hurt. This guy's going to get hurt. He's taking way too much punishment. And and you've got to do a better job of trying to protect this guy. Now, the foul, the problem is their offensive line's terrible and they can't protect him. But he gets a lot of hits. I mean, he gets a lot of hits. And and I thought that Dayball did a good job of having a run. The only running back they really have on the team that can run the ball successfully are the quarterback runs. They're the only runs that really they, that work. I mean, when they go into New England in two weeks, they're going to run quarterback runs the whole game. It's the only run that they can run with effectiveness. He had 17 carries yesterday, eh? Yeah. AD, he had 17 fucking carries. I mean, how does how are you going to do that with your star quarterback? He threw it 54 times. I give Buffalo credit. Ton of heart. Got some bad calls. Could have called pass interference in the end zone. Could have called the pass interference on the third down play. Scott Novak, who loves to interject, didn't didn't make those calls. I mean, what did how many call how many penalties did Novak call? That was definitely a part of the game, though. You're right. I saw people tweeting after so hang on, the Bills got jobbed here. I mean, they've lost four of their last six games, the AFC. The Pats and Chiefs look strong. I think questionable officiating is totally fair to say if you're a Bills fan. Yeah, I think so too. I think they, there was a couple of calls that could have gone the other way. There's no doubt about that. But I mean, look, the Buffalo was fortunate to be. I mean, it wasn't that Buffalo stopped Brady. Let's be real clear here. It was Brady stopped Brady with some really bad throws. He's got Godwin wide open over the middle. He didn't make it. But Brady is so good when you give him that chance. And, you know, he runs that throw to Perryman. I love one of my favorite plays of the game is when he threw the out to Perryman early in the game. And Brady threw it perfectly. And Perryman, Perryman, it it looked like it was a bad throw because Perryman didn't get there, but Perryman took the route up instead of taking the down, t- taking the route down and Brady threw it and Brady's face. I could see like, I'm never throwing that ball to that asshole again. <laughs> I could just see it in his face, you know, like I'm never throwing that ball. And then he throws the crosser to him Amazing. and they win. I mean, it really is. And if you took, if you took the bills and, and, and the three and a half, I mean, it was the killer overtime. It was the killer of the game, but a great game. I, that was one of the more entertaining games of the day. There's no doubt. And let's put things in perspective. Buffalo, they're not physical teams that go in there and punch them in the mouth. They're going to have a hard time. And the Bucs have to get better in their secondary. If the Bucs rush and Bowles' blitz package don't get there, they're going to have some trouble. Bills are now fighting for that six and seven spot in the AFC. And like you said, the schedule's not going to get any easier with the Patriots coming in a couple of weeks. And as far as the Bucs are concerned, I mean, again, Brady, 700 touchdowns. For fun, how many touchdowns does he end up with? 750? 800? What's the number you're going to say Tom Brady ends up with overall? I'm going to say 750. 
That's like another I mean, year. It's another good year. Another good year, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he's going to stop at 750. I mean, look, he ran yesterday. Did you see him run? I know. He, looks- he took off and ran for a first down. Like, I swear to God, now that he's living in Florida, I'm convinced. Do you remember that movie, Cocoon? Yes, that's right. He must be going to, he must be going to that God. He must be going to that goddamn pool. Seriously. <laughs> he must be going to that pool. Like, how is he doing this? Like how he looks, I mean, and and I've said it, he looks way faster than he ever has. Yeah, he looked great. There's no question. Good good, good mention, 1986 classic. Uh, We'll get to the Ravens and the Browns next up. I don't want to jump ahead in the rundown as we do normally, but if you don't know, now you know, the Ravens are in some serious trouble. Like, watch out. This team a few weeks ago looked like the best team in the AFC. I think they're going to be hard-pressed to make the playoffs now. Lamar Jackson carted off early in the second quarter, an ankle injury completely changed the game of the season, and maybe the Ravens' year. Diagnosed with an ankle sprain, he could miss time. The Ravens' remaining four games in jeopardy. You already know they're hurt at corner. They're all banged up, and they lose to the Browns. I mean, Cleveland had a 17-0 lead. You talk about heart for the Bills, I give the Ravens credit. They came back to tie the game, but the Ravens end up recovering an onside kick late. Browns' defense able to hold on. Browns, they're going to they're gonna battle for the playoffs. They're 7-6, and six, but the Ravens now 8-5. and five. This Lamar thing screws everything up, Mike. Yeah, I was told that, uh, you know, they weren't sure whether it was a low or high ankle sprain. They thought it was initially low, but it could be high. I think they're going to do more tests today. The instinct, the, the, the word that I got through sources is that it could be a high ankle sprain, which could mean two, three weeks, four weeks. I don't know. It's going to be some time. He's not coming back next week. The line posted already against Green Bay at seven. But here's a couple issues, as, as Philly Atardo say. Here's a couple, three things. <laughs> to me, To me, Cleveland is not any good. I mean, they won the game, but they still can't move the ball. 17 points. You know, Chubb really couldn't get going. Baltimore did a great job stopping the run. Yeah, only 61 yards allowed to Chubb and Hunt. That's shocking. They're really good. And now Hunt's hurt, right? So now Hunt's hurt. So that's the problem. They really, Baker can't make plays in a passing game. Some really bad throws by Baker. The interception, I mean, it was just a horrendous throw by Baker. And, and so to me... After this game, if you're a Browns fan, you can't feel better about your team, right? You scored 17 points. Now, if you're a Baltimore fan, you've got to ask yourself the question. If you're getting ready to play Baltimore, AD, okay, and you have a whiteboard like I have here in my office, and you put down, how do we beat Cleveland with really with limitations of our defense? The number one thing you write, one, we can't let Miles Garrett beat us, right? That's the number one thing you write on the board. We cannot let Miles Garrett beat us, mm-hmm. right? We'll do everything in our power to go into this game and make sure we have Miles Garrett doubled on every single play. But if you want to evaluate coaching, this is the perfect example. They single up Miles Garrett. Villanueva couldn't block him in a million years. He couldn't block him at Pittsburgh. He can't block him at Cleveland. And they give up the strip sack fumble for the touchdown. Cost him the game. See, this is why, to the hardest thing for coaches to do, this is why coaches that listen to this pod, it's about players and plays players in place. It's just not, he's a defensive end over there. Now, now my man gets away with it. Matt LaFuck, he gets away with it, according <laughs> to Big Daddy, who was texting me from the first kickoff of the game yeah. all the way through. Sunday night, he was he, locked in. Yeah, I mean, he was locked Bears, in. He go. was texting me. He was, he was, te- he wanted to, he wanted to, he, he, he says to me in a text, he said, I hope they don't fly the special teams coach home. I said, Big Daddy, they're playing at home. He's already there. <laughs> anyway, so, it's as basic as anything. LaFleur gets away with it because he's got Aaron Rodgers. He leaves his two tackles who can't block anybody on an island. He gets away with it. But he didn't get away with it in a good game against Tampa last year. But this game, to me, for Baltimore, that's the sin they commit. That's the sin they commit. I mean, there's no reason. You you can't allow this. You can't let this guy beat you in a game. And they go ahead and do it. 
And it's their own fault. I mean, they could have stole another game. I mean, Baltimore's one of the most amazing teams of their ability to come back yeah. and play. I mean, they they literally, I thought they were going to win the game. I mean, they got two, they had one timeout. They have the greatest field goal kicker in the history of field goal kicking. And and all they had to do was get into range. He would have made the kick and they would have won the game. Frustration now for Baltimore for, like I said, Cleveland, not a good team, but they're still alive in that playoff hunt. That gets us to the next game, which we were mentioning, which was, again, closed there by Washington. Mike McCarthy guaranteeing a win earlier in the week, and the Cowboys delivered. 27-20 to was the final. Heineke knocked out of the game, knee injury in the fourth. Dallas's defense finally healthy after months of injuries to key starters all over the Washington quarterbacks. Five sacks, one pick, a fumble return for touchdown. I want to talk about Micah Parsons. 12 sacks in the season. The guy's a lock for defensive rookie of the year. Mike, he might be defensive player of the year. He was amazing yesterday. He might be defensive player. He should be defensive player of the year. I mean, he's been outstanding. I mean, he's impacted. He's tilted the field in their favor. And the ability where they can line him up and get him on some shitty guards and get him in a position where he can take advantage of his skill set because he can rush as the fifth rusher and he can rush as the fourth rusher. You know, that's something that's always a little harder to understand is sometimes guys are not good as the fourth rusher if they're just rushing one-on-one. But when they become the fifth rusher and they can fit onto the rush or work games within the rush, they become more effective. This kid can do it both. This kid can rush off the edge and he can beat a tackle right around the corner. Plus, he can rush inside and feel his way to the passer and be able to get on edges of guards. He's outstanding. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And this game shouldn't have been close. This game, I mean, here's what makes games close is when you stop trying to score. And Dak's interception at the end of the, in the fourth quarter was just horrendous. And, and let's he did not clear. play well, right? You see 27 20 go, Dak well. played well. No, he didn't at all. He actually had a bad game. He, he really did. I, I didn't think Dak played to the level. He got sacked four times in the game. He throws two picks. I, you know, obviously the running back situation, this plantar fascia, I, this stuff doesn't go away. If you, when you give, I'm talking about with Tony Pollard here, when you give a shot on this plantar fascia, it, it gets you through the game, but it only sets the player back further and further. It really becomes harder to come over. That's really an injury. And Zeke's not healthy. And then Tyron Smith got hurt during the game. So, you know, this offense isn't anywhere near where it was explosive that we saw him back in September. So, uh, it was a great win. I don't think they had any business. I mean, Washington kind of hung around and had no business really hanging around. They did nothing on offense, and their defense made a couple plays. But, you know, when you don't score in the fourth quarter, when you have, no matter what the lead is, if you don't score in the fourth quarter, you're going to be in for a nail-biter. We learned it with Tampa, and we learned it here. It's well said. Washington trailing 24 nothing at one point, battling back, and instead Dallas' defense solidifies the win. Dallas looks like they're in the driver's seat to win the NFC East. Washington, they're still alive in that wild card hunt because that's six and seven seeds. I mean, you got like seven teams in there, Mike, that could all conceivably be in there. So Washington's yeah, no not doubt. done, but they, they, you clearly saw they were exposed. Well, they were, and I think they're, you know, Heineke's hurt. Does Kyle Allen come in? I mean, now they got to go into Philadelphia and play the, you know, the, the Super Bowl champions in Philly. <laughs> you know, that, that'll be, I mean, the parade is already lined on Broad Street. It's so. Time for a bye week for the Eagles after kicking the crap out of the Jets. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, Minshew, you know, I will say this about the, the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles certainly have the ability to, to get into this because of their defensive front, their line. They're playing better on defense, and their offensive line is, is healthy and going. It's going to be interesting to see how Seriani handles this. I think what he's going to do moving forward is if he needs to throw the ball, I think he's going to put Minshew in the game. I think he's going to put... I think he's going to play Hurts, but I think if he gets in a situation where it's two-minute or he's got to come back, if he gets behind in games, 
And that's going to be, you know, and that's always going to be the hard part. I mean, they lost out in Las Vegas because they got behind in the game. Right. I think he goes, he puts Minshew in to try to help him out in that situation. That's interesting. A little two quarterback system. Maybe that happens with the Eagles in Washington. Why not? They're running, they're running the single wing. They might as well use the two quarterback <laughs> system. I mean, why not? Real college feel to it. That brings us to the Raiders and the Chiefs. And what the hell was Vegas thinking? Apparently, the Chiefs were pissed off because the last time the Raiders were in Kansas City, they took a victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium and their team buses. They stopped on the Chiefs' logo at midfield shortly before kickoff. Uh, regrets? I've had a few, to quote our boy Francis Albert. Patrick Mahomes. Happy birthday, by the way. Yesterday was his birthday. Yeah, so not I your mean, birthday. That's right. 19... I don't know how that's not a state holiday in New Jersey. I mean, seriously. <laughs> 106 years of age. Uh, old I mean, boys how is that been. not a state holiday in New Jersey? Yeah. I mean, they should give out a pizza to everybody in the state. I mean, seriously. <laughs> December 12th, 1915. I mean, if I was the governor of New Jersey, there'd be certain days it would be state holiday. I mean, who has Sinatra and Springsteen? I mean, think about the Great Garden State. That's true. I mean, think about the... the I, mean, I mean, I know there's other states that have... I mean, we got... I mean, two icons. legends. Two legends. I mean, at Hoboken, the flags were at half mass for Frank yesterday. They got to be. They have to be. And everybody gets a free pie. I mean, why not? Mahomes <laughs> uh, throwing his first two touchdown passes in nearly a month. Clyde Edwards Alaire added two more scores. And the Chiefs, this defense is back, baby. They're the 85 Bears. They forced five turnovers, record setting 48 to 9 win. Let's get this out of the way, Mike. Best team in the AFC now, it's the Chiefs. We're good. For all the concern and consternation, we're good. Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl. I feel confident again. You do? I'm not sold on that. I think I think they certainly are playing great defense. They forced 11 turnovers in the last three weeks. Their defense is turning the ball over at a rapid rate. They've done great with that. Yeah. I'm not sold they're back on offense. You know, I, I mean, they, Gus Bradley is just stubborn. I mean, he doesn't want to play the way everybody else plays, and he gave up 48 to him this time. He only gave up 41 to him the last time. So, you know, I mean, this Raider team, this is ground zero. I think, you know, I think if you're Mark, if you're Mark Davis, you're going to have to, I don't know who he's going to rely on for help. Usually he relies on John Madden. Now, you know, when he hired Gruden, that was separate from Madden because Gruden was his guy. He loved Gruden. All right. That was his, and, and, and he's going to want to hire somebody who's got ties to the family. You know, this is, this is not going to be, we're not going outside the family. And so you never take you know, sides against the family. We know that. No, never do. And you know, he, he better make sure he don't hire Paul Castellano, the accountant. <laughs> he better make sure he hires somebody who can get boots on the ground who's in for a street fight. You know, I mean, you know, like our man Frankie Five Fingers said, you know, this is a street thing, Michael. You know, <laughs> I understand this street thing. But he better understand it's a street thing. And he and he better not listen to the alumni as much as he does. Because the alumni don't know. They have great intentions, but they don't know. It's going to be fascinating to see. I, I'm, I, I have heard a name today. I can't say it, but I heard a name today that's interesting. Uh, that would be a big splash for him if he can get him. Howie Long. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> I don't know if Howie wants to work that hard. Howie's got that ranch in Montana. I mean, why would Howie want to work that hard? I mean, seriously. I, I was going to say, yeah, he's making a, a ton game? of money to hang out there on Fox. There's no I way mean, Howie you wants know, to do I mean, you know, I mean, he's done great. He looks good. He's got, you know, enjoyed life. He's got the ranch in Montana, Charlottesville. Why, why would he want all that agita? Seriously. <laughs> That's a good point. That's just be the headline of today's podcast. Why would he want all that agita? Kansas City eclipsing the largest margin of victory in a series that began in 1960 and has been played 126 times. Here, here's what I will say. I will say this. They, they, Mark doesn't understand his father. They better get back to what the roots of the company are. This is a little bit like Disney does at times when they get away from the roots of who they are as a company. My, my man, Bill, next door to me, has been predicting that the CEO, you know, they, they get away from their roots and they always come back. Mark better understand who his dad is and, and how you build a football team through what his dad's vision is. 
to me, that's the number one thing. Now, I'm not saying he should follow his dad's footprint and draft guys that just run fast, but I do think through if he talked to Mark Davis, if he talked to Ron Wolf or people that understand what his dad was doing and how it relates to the forward, you know, I I think that certainly would help him. You know, I mean, hire Elliot Wolf to be the GM of the team and and bring him in because at least he knows what Al, even though he never worked for Al, his dad did, that, you know, he could do that. I mean, they better get back to the Raider identity and they better find somebody who understands what the Raider identity is because there's no one in that building currently that does. Chiefs six-game winning streak right now. Vegas is reeling and looking flat. Only bright spot, Hunter Renfro. The walk-on at Clemson, fifth-round pick. He definitely played his heart out. Coming up next, we'll talk with the Niners and the Bengals. Another tight game there. And Perrin Rodgers to the Chicago Bears. I still own you. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Niners and Bengals. Um, this was interesting. I thought Cincinnati was going to be able to pull this thing out. But the Niners, though, hanging in there. Again, blown leads. 20-6 to six lead heading into the fourth. To your point earlier, Mike, you got to score on the fourth. Burrow and the Bengals rallying. They hit Jamar Chase a pair of touchdowns. The Bengals actually scored first in overtime. And I admit, for a second, I'm like, oh, they win. I'm like, no, no, that's only a field goal. I got to score a touchdown now. And then Jimmy G hitting Brandon Ayuk, the ensuing drive for a touchdown that was initially ruled short but was overturned. A win would have been huge for the Bengals because both the Ravens and Steelers lost. Instead, they dropped to ninth in the AFC. And the Niners, uh, this was a gritty win, Mike. They got the sixth spot right now in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, that was a hard-fought win. And I, I think, to me, you know, the guy that gets no— I mean, they've won, what, four of the last five for the 49ers? Mm-hmm. The guy who gets four six, no love— in, Four or six. The, the guy gets no love is Jimmy Garoppolo. It's like he's an afterthought. The guy made a great throw to Kittle on the third down, threw it the only place he could throw it. Does he make mistakes? Every quarterback does. Is he perfect? By no means. But she's, oh man, I mean, it, this is so unbelievable. They never give this kid enough credit for winning. I mean, the guy's done a pretty good job over the streak. 
And they've been able to make plays, and Debo Samuels tilts the field in their favor because he's so good. Uh, you know, to me, I think the Bengals are still the best team in the North. I think they have to be based on Lamar's suspected injury, based on the Browns can't score any points. So, Steelers, I, I, you don't I, trust. I have no trust in the Steelers and Big Ben. But to me, you know, San Francisco, that was a great, great win. I mean, they fought their way back. My question to you is. When Jimmy Garoppolo went back to pass on, uh, when he got the two minute, when he got third and five, and he throws, and he throws the ball to Kittle, the hit the two minute warning comes in, right? So now he's got first and ten at the Cincinnati seventeen. So I'm thinking, sitting at home watching the end of this game, I'm saying, if you're Kyle Shanahan, do you go for the win here? Because does the tie help you or does it hurt you? Right? Yeah. Because if you kick the field goal, right? If you kick the field goal, the game's probably going to end up in a tie. Right, it's probably going to end up in a tie. Whereas if you you play it to score, do you score to win? Now they eventually scored, yeah. You know, and and they got the overturned play. But say the ball would have been out of bounds at the two, and they didn't get it in. Yeah, you know, and they milked the clock all the way down. Do you? you I think you got to score. score I think to you got to win think. the game. Yeah, that's. that's I think you got to win. I think the tie does you no good. Yeah. I mean, I know it's a half a point, but maybe it, it'll put you. But you know, I mean. I, I don't know. I mean, to me, that that's a situation that I would spend the time in the offseason trying to figure out, making sure I said, okay, here's where we are. You know, this is our, what does the time mean to us in terms of the standings? And I think you almost have to calculate it on the field. You almost have to have somebody who knows this. You mentioned Garoppolo doesn't get enough love. How about Kittle? 22 catches, 332 yards, three touchdowns in his last two games. I don't know if San Francisco can make any noise come playoff time, but God, if they're going to do anything, Kittle's going to be the monster in that machine. He, he's got to stay healthy. They got to stay healthy. I mean, their secondary was beat up yesterday. And and look, Cincinnati's got to get better in the offensive line. I mean, it's been the downfall of their team. It really has. And I think that when you look at them, they should be better than they really are, but they have a hard time blocking. And, you know, they have a hard time controlling the line of scrimmage. And when they can't get that running game going, when they can't get balance, it becomes harder on Burrow. I thought Burrow was great yesterday. I thought he was sensational. I think he's tremendous. Although, you know, he, it's hard for him because he's constantly under pressure, but his eye level never comes down. I mean, this is a, this is a special talent. Go back to Urban. Urban picked Dwayne Haskins over Burrow. If, if you're Shaq Khan, you got to say to yourself, how did this happen? Like, you had both guys on campus. Now, I know one was a three-star and one was a five-star. Just think about that for a minute. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a disaster. That brings us to the backers and the Bears and Big Daddy. I watched the first half, then I had to watch Succession. Pretty good first half, by the way. Packers and Bears. Bears were hanging in there. And then Aaron Rodgers showed up. A wild second quarter, by the way. 45 total points. The Bears kept it interesting. As I said, 27-24 halftime lead. But then the second half, forget about it, 27 points. Rodgers was vintage Rodgers. If the Cardinals lose tonight, the Packers will be the number one seed in the NFC. I believe at the start of the year, Mike, your Super Bowl prediction was Chiefs and Packers. Packers looked amazing last night. Uh, well, you know, they, they look sluggish coming out. At 8.54, 8.54, first text from my man, Big Daddy. <laughs> Looks like LaFuck has a winning game plan tonight. He's already <laughs> complaining about it. <laughs> and I said, well, they don't seem interested. They seem like they're coming off the bye. They're out of sync. And so, and then, and then he wrote me back, the special teams coordinator shouldn't get on the plane home. Now, he's watching the game. He's a Packer fan. It's, he doesn't even realize it's in Lambeau Field. So I said to him, they're playing at home. And I said, they're playing at home. He said, that's right. Jesus, fire the special teams coach. He's off. No, so big he was sorry. He was furious right out of the gate. <laughs> Before the game, he's over. It's the best. I mean, look, how great is Rodgers? Can we just give him the MVP now, please? Another one. 
Another one. Yeah. I mean, the guy is incredible. He made a throw. I tweeted out AD. I said, there's only three people on planet Earth that can make that throw. <laughs> like, it was an unbelievable throw he made. It was the over route to, I think it was Scanling. Uh, you know, it was unbelievable. Or maybe it was... Uh, uh, Lazard, I, I, maybe maybe it was Lazard, it was unbelievable. I think, yeah. yeah, it was Lazard. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it, what a great throw from a standstill spot. Look, here's why I think he's the MVP. He covers up for the sins of the. Their special teams are really bad. It, it's going to cost them, right? He's got new guys playing. He's got some rookie left tackle, you know, that's not very good over there, and he's got a right tackle that got hurt during the game that carted him off. You know, Jenkins, and now they've got uh, you know Dennis Kelly over there, who's a journeyman kind of guy. He's been around the league a hundred years. And and it does not, nothing faces him. And then in the second half, he manages the game. Take the play clock all the way down. You know, run the ball, get him in the right runs. Like, like this guy, there's nothing you could do to fool him. I mean, it's not even close. And then he puts the ball in locations. Like, would you like to play darts against this guy? I mean, seriously. <laughs> Precision would be ridiculous. That's a good point. I mean, like, how, I mean, the accuracy is just unbelievable where he puts the ball. You know, and I don't think it gets talked about enough. I mean, Brady made a throw yesterday that he led the receiver away from the defensive back. Romo mentioned it slightly, but I don't think people appreciate where the ball, how precise the ball has to be to be a great passer. It has to be on this shoulder at this angle. And and, and Rodgers is just, I mean, I could watch Rodgers all day. You know, and I, I felt bad for Fields because, look, it, that offensive line he's going behind is not very good. That left tackle, of course, you know, my man Nagy gives the left tackle no help. I mean, if you put that left tackle in there, Jason Peters got hurt. That's a shock. Ugh. You put that left tackle in there, right? Don't you say, okay, I am making sure there's always somebody next to this left tackle. I would go to the side and say, okay, look, Jenkins, set inside out. Don't let anybody beat you to the inside. You're always going to have help on your outside shoulder. Like that's that's what you got to do because if you just say okay, next thing you know, strip sack, fumble, Green Bay blows the game open. It's just to me, it's just not preparation on the personnel. Does Rodgers stay in Green Bay past the season? I- I'm with you. He could win MVP for a fourth time. They might win a Super Bowl. Do you think things have ceased? Have they cooled? Does he still have his mind on not staying there? What happens? You think? I think you just load up the Brinks truck. I mean, like seriously. I mean, this is he's going to get fifty. He got to give him fifty million. I mean, he's he's truly a great player. Yeah. You know, and I think you're going to have to go above Mahomes to do it. I think anybody would pay him 50. Yeah. I mean, look, the guy tilts. I mean, look, when he wasn't on the field, they they couldn't do anything. Every wart on that team will show up. The left tackle, if he's not in the game, will look bad. The right tackle, if he's not in the game, will look bad. The special teams will look worse. The defense will have to play from behind. I mean, this this is, it's it's clear to me. Now, do I think they can beat the Bucs? perhaps, you know, because the Bucs secondary hasn't been very good. And he's great. 341 yards passing from Aaron Rodgers and four touchdowns. Maybe home field will matter. Maybe Arizona with the number one seed. Matt Nagy, we know he's dead man walking in Chicago. We also know that Ryan Pace is in trouble. Rumors that Ryan Day, by the way, could be a candidate for the head coaching job, Ohio State head coach. We've just talked about the fact a lot of these college coaches have not translated well to the NFL. An early thought, perhaps, on Ryan Day in Chicago? Well, Ryan's been with Chip Kelly in the NFL, so he has coached in the NFL. I think he kind of knows what's going on. I, I can't Im- Ryan has a better job than a Chicago Bears. I know that's hard for people to believe, but Ryan is his own general manager. Ryan doesn't have to listen to the word collaboration like they love in Chicago. Ryan can make any decision he wants for the Ohio State football program. He's going to have an elite team. He's going to get all the all the best players. He's going to be competing for the Final Four every single year. Like I mean, he's going to make just as much money as he makes in Chicago, maybe more. 
I don't know why you would leave. Those jobs, Ohio State, USC, LSU, some of these jobs in college are better than these pro jobs. I mean, would you rather be the Ohio State coach or the Jacksonville Jaguar coach and try to clean up that mess down there? And then you've got Tony Khan in there telling you what to do. You got some GM telling you what to do. You got all these people telling you what to do. You're your own man when you run a college program. Yeah. I guess for some, it's the allure of having a pro team, but you're right. Sometimes the setup is much better if you're a college coach. A couple of notes, and we'll get to the mailbag and do some awards. Matt Rule is sticking with Cam at quarterback. Cam Newton made two costly turnovers, didn't end up playing the last two series for the Panthers, and their loss to the Falcons on Sunday. Rule, when asked was quarterback would moving forward, he did some good things, but those catastrophic plays overshot a lot of really good plays. Thoughts on Cam being the guy? Well, I mean, they had always prepared for the game that Cam wasn't going to run the two-minute because he just hasn't been enough practice in the two-minute. So, like, he never got benched during the game. That was the game plan. So, he didn't get benched during the game. That was the plan going into the game. They were going to get P.J. Walker in the game, and they were going to utilize him in the two-minute. So, you know, and, and... you know, the, the media thinks he got benched. That's not the case. And look, he's got to stop the turnovers, right? I mean, the, the Panthers have to stop losing before they can win. They turn the ball over too much. And I was disappointed with the Panthers on defense yesterday. I thought they would do a better job of rushing. Their defense was playing better earlier in the year. Now, they're giving away the game too much. But I think Matt, you know, Matt Rule will get it fixed. Matt Rule's always better in the second year. He's been better this year. They got to get this quarterback situation fixed, right? They got to. And some really sad news in the world of football. Everyone was talking about longtime Bronco wide receiver Demarius Thomas passing away Thursday at 33. The Broncos mm. started the game Sunday with 10 men on the field to honor him. Uh, that's Mike here, 33. I mean, that, that's tragic. Yeah, it's horrible. Too, too young, as Al Davis would often say. I, I, I have no more tears. It's just hard. I mean, it's tragic. It's, it's too young to, and obviously some medical ailment. But I think it, it, this is Demarius is a story of great determination. You know, he's at Georgia Tech under Paul Johnson, and they they didn't run a conventional offense. But you could see his talent. McDaniels, when he was the head coach at Denver, drafted him in the first round because he had this unique talent. And he worked hard to become a great big receiver. I mean, this is a big man with quickness. And, uh, you know, and everybody liked him, always had a smile on his face. It's really sad. It is sad indeed. Thoughts and prayers to Demarius Thomas's family. We go to the mailbag. As always, send us your questions. The GM Shuffle at gmail.com. Feel free to send us a message on Instagram at the GM Shuffle. This is from Daniel. Love the pod, guys. Can great talent transcend mediocre coaching? If the Giants package their picks to get Rust or Deshaun, could their individual talent raise the Giants up or they fall victim to years of bad coaching and culture? I think if the Giants don't change their culture, you know, if you don't like irrelevance, you're going to like, if you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance even less. That, that's the Giants. I mean, you know, over the last six years, they've won 33 games. I mean, that's just a fact. As of today, they're 33 and 60 over the, since 2016. I mean, so there's something, it's just not a player here or a player there. When you, when you have that history of losing, it's, it's a cultural thing. And you better get to the root cause of it. And John Mara on the long flight flying home, he had no chance to win that game. I, I'd still like to do a Senate subcommittee investigation, you know, of how Mike Lennon became a starting quarter, <laughs> how he became the backup, how anybody signed him and said, you know, if we if we if we lose our guy, Mike can come in and do a great job. You know, like I want to know who said that. Like I want to know what evidence. To, and I don't want to pick on poor Mike, but I mean, like, where's the evidence that this is true? Where is the evidence that this is true? Like I don't get it. Decision-making is probably the biggest cause, and the Giants bury their head in the sand when it comes to decision-making. They, they refuse to accept their own reality. You know, they'll convince themselves that, 
you know, Daniel Jones is better than he is. I mean, poor Joe Judge. Joe Judge is a special teams coach. He can't walk into Fred Ch- Freddie, Freddie Kitchen's office and say, hey, here's what I want to do on offense. He can't fix any of those problems. He can't fix the defense, you know? And, and what's disappointing is how badly they managed the game at the end of the half. They give up another big play at the end of the half this week. And so all the things that you think a Belichickian type disciple would do would work. But, you know, Joe was only there five years. He was an assistant special teams coach. Like, this is a huge, you know, Joe was headed to become the head coach of Mississippi State. It, it's not Joe's fault. He was going to go do some, he was going to go to Mississippi State. He was going to go run that program and he was going to learn how to become a head coach. It's not his fault. They gave him a battlefield promotion above and beyond. And then they give him no help. They give him no help at all. He's got nobody there helping him. It's certainly frustrating right now for the Giants, which brings us to the awards on the lamb. Dealer's choice. Jaguars, they lose the Titans 20 to nothing. The Raiders, they lose the Chiefs 48 to nine. Or do you want to go with the Jets? We haven't talked with them. The Saints beat them 30 to nine. I mean, the Saints just rolled them. I mean, I mean, Robert Sly, when I watch him on the sideline, he looks bedazzled and confused. I mean, it's just, just really. <laughs> befuddled and confused. Does, yeah. Befuddled and confused. I mean, it's just like his, you know, this defensive line that's supposed to be better than any D-line he coached. Zach Wilson looks flat out horrible. I mean, Zach Wilson just doesn't look like the kid from BYU. I mean, that, when they put Mike White in there or Flacco, at least they can move the ball. But they couldn't do anything. I mean, this was a five and a half point spread, and it was, I thought it was the best bet on the board. I gave out the pick on Sunday morning. I thought it was, I, I was shocked it didn't get to seven. I thought it was going to go up, you know, and, and, no, and people were taking the Jets. Like, why? Dennis Allen versus goddamn the, Zach Wilson. He was going to blitz them to no end. The poor kid. I mean, look, I, I think if you're Woody Johnson, you got to seriously think about it. If you're Joe Douglas, I mean, I tried to get, Rob, I tried to get Don Martindale an interview there. And, and of course, you know, they, they didn't think Martindale was, he thinks Salai is good. Seriously. It was unbelievable. And, you know, I mean, to me, I don't care that Rex and Salai made up and he's a great coach and he's on that to me, I don't see a, I don't see a plan in the jets. I just don't see one, but the only person that needs to go on the lamb is urban. <laughs> urban needs to do, needs to do everybody a favor, go on the lamb. Like, seriously, this is why the mob has hits inside their own program because they don't have a land program. They just eliminate program, right? Yeah. I mean, he needs to get out of it. I mean, he's causing more harm than good. He can't solve a problem. He can't solve a problem. Uh, a couple of notes here on the Jets. Eliminated from playoff contention at 3-10. and 10. They've missed the postseason 11 straight years. That ties the franchise's longest drought. It's the longest active skid in the NFL. And Zach Wilson, you mentioned, was erratic. 19-42 of 42 for 202 yards. Several drops as well. Three in the first half by running back Ty Johnson. But Robert Sala did say, this crappy part is part of the process. At the same time, it's not discouraging by any sense of the imagination. We've got a lot of young guys getting a lot of good playing time. So... Trying to put lipstick. That's good. Yeah. That's good. We're built. We're building. We're, what are we building for? Like seriously, what are we building for? Yeah, lipstick on a like. Paint. I mean, you know, it, 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 you know, that's great, and and the media will write that down and buy it. Mm-hmm. But at some point, the next question should be, okay, Coach Sala, tell us where you've gotten better. Tell us in what area has your team improved. Right. If I were the GM of the Jets, I would say, Robert, like, where are we getting better? Tell me where I can see improvement. We're not getting better in the offensive line. We don't really have a running game. You know, our quarterback has not improved any time since he's been in this in the game. He's shown no improvement as the season's gone on. And defensively, we don't get any better either. So, like, give me an idea. Like, tell me where we're getting better. You know, I, I was doing a research project last week. I mean, like, when Barry Alvarez took over the University of Wisconsin for his first job, I mean, he was 1-10. in 10. 
And in and, and nine of those games, the game was in the fourth quarter. It was close. Okay, I get it. We're one in 10. I'm not looking at the scoreboard. I want to see progress. There's progress. We're in games. We're close. We're trying to compete. Like, I want to see that. Like, I don't see how you can just get away with saying that and think it's going to be okay. Like, tell me why. Like, when somebody says to you, hey, you know, Lombardi's really smart, then the next thing should be, well, give me three examples on why Lombardi's smart. Like, make them define what their statement is. And he can't. He won't be able to define it, you know? But there's only one person on the lamb, and that's Urban. I mean, it's really bad. It's not going to get any better. And one thing I think we recognize in all of sports is when bad's bad, you got to get rid of it. Leaves an odor. It reeks. It's contagious. That brings us to the Fred Palermo game plan of the week. Haven't mentioned the Chargers. I just want to mention Herbert. 23 of 31, 275 yards, three touchdowns. He was spectacular. Who gets your Fred Palermo game plan of the week? Chargers now, by the way, they're eight and five. They're in the mix there for a playoff spot. Well, there was no upset, so it's kind of hard to get a game plan. I mean, if Baltimore would have come back, I would have given it to them because at least they fought their way back in there. But you got to give it to the 49ers going on the road. I think that they did a great job. They were, you know, had control of the game. They gave up two 14 points and they come back. I, I respect the Bills' resilience in that game. I think they did a great job. Uh, but I, I, I give it to the Niners. I thought the Niners were really good yesterday. I mean, they played with confidence. They didn't buckle. They, that game shouldn't even have gone to overtime. I mean, Gould misses that kick. They brought it right back down the field. I mean, I know everybody wants Trey Lance to play, but Jimmy Garoppolo gives him the best chance to win this year, and he'll give him the best chance to win next year, too. Good stuff there from uh, Coach Shanahan and company. Lastly, if you don't know, now you know. Well, now you know that uh, Urban Meyer is really not a football coach. He's a recruiter. I think that's pretty clear, right? Because football coaches solve problems. You're the chief figure-out officer. And after, what, 13 games are we in? He's 2-11 and now. He hasn't solved a thing. And he's taken a guy that was a generational talent who I don't think is, I don't think is a bad player, you know, uh, and, and he's turned him into just a, a, a turnover machine. So to me, I, I think now we know. I mean, I don't care what Urban's record is in college. Let him go back to college. But some guys, some guys are just not built, built for pro football. And I think it's clear Urban's not. The defense rests in that case. Brings us to the Pop Culture Minute, the season finale of Succession Season 3 last night. Not going to spoil it for anybody, but they brought the heat. I mean, this was like Uncle Junior. Either you come heavy or you don't come at all. I mean, the last 20 minutes of this episode, and again, I'm not going to spoil it. As good as television gets. I can't wait for you to watch it. Really? And does it is it have a plot twist oh, going yeah. into the next year? Oh, there's a plot twist. Yeah. It was just as season two, there was a big jaw-dropping moment as Kendall comes back at his dad. The last 20 minutes of this, you're gonna go, oh my God, I can't believe it. And it, it was unexpected, and I thought it was brilliant. That's all I will say. Was my man Tom, was Tom involved in any of this? <laughs> he was he was intricately involved. <laughs> yeah, somehow I figure he was gonna weasel his way in there somehow. You know, I your mean, intuition is right on this one, Lombardi. If there's ever a guy you can't trust, it's Tom. Because Tom is the beautiful thing about studying Tom's character, and I've watched, I haven't watched Millie's been away, so I haven't watched any of it. The thing about studying Tom's character is he is motivated by his own success. And it's <laughs> it's so obvious, right? It's so obvious. What a I mean, funny way to define someone motivated by his own success i mean that's who he is i mean if you're writing him you could get him i mean like if you were trying to plan a hit on tom all you would have to do is say hey tom you're gonna you know you want we're gonna give you man of the year to speak at this thing he'd show up there and bells on and you just put three bullets in him and it'd be over with for him i mean like seriously he's motivated by his own success so i don't trust that little bastard at all and so i don't know what's going to happen but i suspect he's deeply involved in it oh i can't wait till you get to one catch up there with Millie. Uh, thank you so much for checking out the GM show. Anything for you? Pop Culture Minute? Any thoughts? Any reading? You know, no, I've been. I've watched Narcos.
Broncos Mexico season. I think it's the last season. It's the Chapo year. Yes. I think it's just. I, I mean, it. I think every year it's gotten. It hasn't been as good as the first year. I've heard that as well. Devalued. Is what one of my cousins said to me. Yeah, it's, it's just not as good. You know, I mean, it's just. Uh, it doesn't have as much interest as when it when they were dealing with, uh, when that Pablo. Yeah. And you were watching, and it kind of had that season had a Sopranos feel to it. Mm-hmm. This season doesn't really have that. Thumbs down, unfortunately, there. As always, though, thumbs up for the GM Shuffle. Go to Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe, rate, and review. We'll talk to you on Thursday.